the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Living in Contrasts, that is the title of today's sermon. Is that the title of your life? Let's talk about that next on today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil. As believers in Christ, our lives are lives of contrast. It should contrast against what the world thinks, what the world believes, how the world lives. Join us here in 1 Peter chapter 3 as we focus in on verses 8 through 17 today. We're looking at these living contrasts that we are to be if we are indeed the Lord Christ's. Join us, won't you? Here now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today, our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. It's a blessed thing if God has chosen you to suffer for what is right. That's, that's a tough one. I just, uh, I'm reading Stephen Oates. He won the Kennedy Writing Award for writing the life of Martin Luther King. And he, he picks up King's Montgomery, the 50s, in the 60s. He was killed in 63. So it gives that period of time. See, I only watch civil rights on, on a black and white TV. Because I'm I'm California boy. I don't know anything about Mississippi. I don't know anything about Georgia and Alabama. And most of you, if you grew up here, you don't know that. Most of you white kids, you don't know what civil rights were. You don't even no, that's what you need to read of Martin Luther King. And King, when he went to Boston University, he bought into a lot of the uh, liberal social gospel men. But out of that, a hero was Gandhi uh, to him because he was amazed that Gandhi could uh, resist the British uh, government and do his march to the sea and bring try to bring down the caste system, try to bring justice, try to bring fairness without bloodshed, without violence. Now, when King rises up, uh, while he's rising up, Malcolm X rises up, and, and he says, kill, kill, and let's go back to Africa. You had Farrakhan starting the Muslim nation. Let's, let's learn, hate white people, hate white people. Uh, you had Black Panthers in Oakland. Uh, So you had the militant groups, you had the groups kill whatever it takes, was fed up, was sick and tired. And you got this Baptist preacher down in Montgomery and leading the boycott because Rosa Parks says, I don't want to give up my seat. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm sorry I'm in a white man's seat, but I can't give it up. I'm tired old woman. I've been working as a domestic for 10 hours. And now you're telling me to give up my seat. And they shut down the bus lines. And black people walked in the weather, in the storm for a year and a half. Domestics all over Montgomery. 
because we think we ought to be able to sit wherever we want on the bus. Is that fair? I don't hear you. Is that fair, white folks? And he goes out there and he says, uh, we're going to resist Bill O'Connor, the meanest sheriff in the South. And they watch O'Connor unleash his dogs and children. You watch the films, if you've seen the film, when you watch your black mothers and them sprayed with the hoses, slammed against walls, falling down, simply because they say, I'd like for my boy to ride on the bus. And what King had to fight is he said, the purpose of the movement is not to get you to hate white folks, but to hate injustice. Because if we hate them, they're going to win. We're already living with hate. We're already living with prejudice. How are you going to get even? Are we going to hate them back? No, no, no. We will not take up arms. We, we will pray. We will kneel on the, the bridge going into Montgomery. Because we're going to resist treating the people like dogs and tell them which fountain they can drink out of and what toilet they can use. We're say, sick. A hundred years ago, a man by Lincoln wrote a check that said we are emancipated and you've never cast the check. It's time to cast the check. We ought to be free. And I won't shoot a bullet. I'll preach sermons. I'll try to mobilize. They finally turned kids loose because they incarcerated all the black men. 2,500 men in jail. No more prison. So they took children to the street. And the nation wept when they saw kids being sprayed out. Treated like animals. We've had a man that did it in our own generation. You don't remember it because you didn't watch. You haven't read it. You don't know what it was to be in Mississippi and Alabama in 1952. And treat it like nothing less. And you wouldn't be in an integrated church like this. But the love of God is bigger than racism. The love of God is bigger than color. It's bigger. It's better to treat you. I told Otis Wiley, who had a deacon's meeting, I said, Otis, just know I'd give up my seat for you any day. You could sit at the front of the bus because you're valuable. You're precious. And Peter's talking this way. We did not get saved to fight the Roman Empire. We can't vote in another emperor. We can't change politics. We can change the way the church acts in the world. We will give back love when we've been hated. We will not, because our Savior did it. The most powerful man in the universe turned the other cheek, went to the cross, and he had all power and all authority. And he said, I don't need angels. Stay home, angels. I'm going to the cross because this is the only way I can save sinners. Is somebody's got to pay for the evil. And he paid for the evil. So he says, so he says, when you suffer, verse 15, do two things. Treat Christ like Lord. Like Lord. And the word Lord means boss, in charge, authority. You know, let's add, there's a question, a big theological debate. Is Jesus Savior and then maybe Lord later? 
Or is he Savior and Lord? Friend, he's Savior and Lord. We don't get to dice him up. You're good enough to die for me, but not good enough to tell me what to do. Who do we think we are? He is Lord. 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 He is is Master. And every tongue's going to confess it someday. And every knee. Tell O Nebuchadnezzar that the Ancient of Days is going to slay the nations and a rock cut out without hands is going to set up his kingdom. He is sovereign. He is in your suffering. He's sovereign. Not Nero. Peter went to his death saying, Jesus is Lord. I'm yours. I'm dispensable. And the axe and the cross won't end me. I have a Lord. And he said, sanctify him. Set him aside. You're Lord. And then he said, be ready to give an explanation for your hope. Imagine, I'm suffering. I'm watching brothers and sisters be martyred and be killed. And he said, the one thing you want to be able to say when they're giving you a bad time is, by the way, would you like to know about my hope? Are you kidding? Your hope? You're hopeless. Oh, no. Oh, please tell me a little bit about, what makes you hopeful? Well, let me tell you a little bit about this word. Uh, The word hope, when Plato got the word hope, it went like this. Philosophers in Greece said, hope is a subjective a conjured up expectation. And in the Greek world, only fear or good was in your future. There's nothing neutral. But they said there was no object of hope. You created, like a uh, positive thinking, uh, you know, motivational speaker. You can. You're, you're strong. So you whip it up. You, you talk yourself, I, I'm great. I'm great. Uh, I'm going to, yeah, uh, as you fall over the cliff, you know. But at the same time, you, you're optimistic. You're optimistic while you're crashing. It was all conjured up inside. Then you get Judaism and, and Christianity that says things like, our God is our hope. Our God is our refuge. Wait, wait, you're acting like there's an object of hope. Uh, oh, uh, our God said he's going to come back and change my vile body someday. So go ahead and kill me, burn me, uh, throw me to the lions. Someday there's a song out now called Ain't No Grave Going to Hold My Body Down. And there's one line I love at the end. She says, as you walked out of the grave, so will I. Oh, I want to shout right about there. Give me like he walked out of the grave. I'm walking too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nero, you can't take that from me. Nero, you're not in charge of the cemetery. I serve a Lord that's going to resurrect my body. He's going to bring me out. I'm going to reign with him forever. Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. Tell that to Nero. Oh, instead when I read the passage, I'm trembling. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to suffer. Do you have any hope? Oh, do I have a hope? 
He, he's coming soon. He's going to change our body. I'm going to reign with him. He's going to redeem us from a cursed world. He said, he is the God of all hope who fills you with peace and joy while you trust him so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, friend, I serve. He's the God of all hope. He's the author. You may be in here today and you're hopeless. I believe this culture is hopeless. They're dying without Christ. And when you die in a thirst, you'll drink water from any any source. Huh. Uh, the drug dealer look is what quenches my thirst. One night stands, sex without commitment, sex without meaning, uh, videos pouring into me. I'm watching life. Have, I have no hope. I can't say anything is for sure in the future. But you, the weakest child of God, could say, I know this, I'm not going to hell. I know I'm going to heaven. I know Jesus is coming again. I know he's going to resurrect my body. I know he's going to reward me for doing righteousness. Oh, oh, I've got some certain things. I don't whip it up on my worst day. I've got it. On my worst day, it's true. It's based on his promises, and he can't lie. When will you come, Jesus? Oh, I wouldn't mind if he came right now. Right in this meeting. I tell you, I remember Carol and I coming back from a meeting. Some of you can't find, you, you can't even relate to this because you ain't full of the Holy Ghost yet. Uh, is that uh, we're riding back, we're driving to Livermore, Rotter, and, and I reached over. I said, I want to feel your leg. I want to be sure you're still here. We, we thought it was going to happen that night. And I knew she's more saved than me, so I wouldn't be sure she was there. <laughs> you know, how, are you there? Are you there? When I grew up as a kid, if I came home and the house was empty, when I was an unsaved boy, I thought, oh, oh I missed it. He, he's done come. He's caught all the Christians. David and I were around, but we were going to hell anyway. <laughs> boy. I wanted some Christian in that house. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And he's going to reign. He's going to reign. He's going to reward you for all your suffering, for all the surrender. Tell him about your hope. I got a wonderful uh, friend, uh, oncologist, uh, uh, Jewish man out of New York City, uh, about 6'4", wonderful man. And I said... Jack, how did you come to Christ? Uh, became, got, went to oncology school in Houston and wound up in um, going to Little Rock. He had a friend uh, that went up to Little Rock, Arkansas. I said, what's a Jewish boy doing in Little Rock, Arkansas? Man, that's not, that's not kosher country. That's pig's feet. <laughs> you, gotta, you, you better get straightened out, boy. And... Uh, I said, uh, what, what happened? He said, well, he said, I was a rounder. I was a womanizer. I was a, a doctor. Had my pick of any of the nurses, whatever. I partied. I did this. But I was making great living and doing all like that. And, uh, but he said, Phil, he said, it's a terrible thing to be an unsaved doctor to a bunch of Christians. Yeah, I, I said, what, what do you mean? 
He said, well, I told you I was in Little Rock. He said, Little Rock's got a lot of Christians. Baptist, Pentecostal, Baptist, Tyrian, mixed up. They, 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 they got all kinds of folks. And he said, I, I'm attending to them. And he said, Phil, you got to know, I totally distrusted Gentiles. I said, what do you mean? He said, when I was a boy, my folks survived the Holocaust. Growing up in Brooklyn, I, I looked at any Gentile as someone that would kill me if he could. I have no respect for Gentiles. They killed my people. I learned to hate them, and I learned to be on the guard. So he said, anything much? And then all of a sudden, I'm up here in the Bible Belt with people dying, telling me about Jesus, that I don't even believe uh, that he's Messiah. I don't believe it. I'm a pagan Jew. I'm not practicing anything but sin. But he said, things like this would happen nearly weekly. Dr. Sternberg, I've been praying that Jesus would come into your heart. Now they got two days to live. And I'm praying that you'll come to know him because he sure loves you. And matter of fact, I've come to love you. He said, Phil, he said, even on a hardened Jewish boy, they just kept melting me. Then my fellow Jewish partner, he got saved. And I thought, God's sure enough ganging up on me. <laughs> my partner gets saved, and all these born, they were telling him their hope. Doctor, I'm not afraid to die. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to see him. Don't weep for me, doctor. It's you we're concerned about. It's you that needs to know him. It's you. Let me tell you this. In the midst of this culture, do we, anybody talking about your hope? You're telling anybody how you can have eternal life, how you can be forgiven, and you can survive even the warriors losing. I mean, you can make it. You can make it. You, you've got something to live for. What's your hope? What's your hope? Do you have a blessed hope? A blessed hope. Do you talk about it? Or does that mouth of yours always nag, gripe, and tell us something negative? You can't even quote a verse. Don't tell me you're walking with him. Don't tell me you're on fire about him. What's your mouth doing? May my mouth be full of his word. My mind meditate on him day and night. And whatsoever I do it shall prosper. Deliver me from nauseating Christianity that's cooled off and is vocal about everything but Jesus. I got an opinion on everything. Oh, shut up. I don't want to know it. Tell me how to make money. You do that on the side. But, you know, anything to alleviate. But do you have hope? Do you talk about it? Here, this context, he isn't on a university campus. We're used to apologetics, Robbie Zacharias, maybe at a uni. No, no. He said, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of it, would you tell him, I've got hope. Besides that, I've got a Lord. That's why I don't want to return evil to you. I don't want to return evil. What are we giving to this culture? And then he finally says, keeping a clean conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. 
For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Think of how much suffering you did for doing evil. Lying, cheating. Some of you have got a whole path full of brokenness where you cheated in marriage, you lied, you were a thief, you got caught, you served time, you paid the fine. Uh, Most of life is suffering for doing something stupid and wrong. And then God says, you're going to find this hard to believe. I've chosen some of my people to suffer for doing good. I was just reading about the martyr to Polycarp when he was 86. He was the bishop of Smyrna about 86 A.D. And uh, they killed another uh, brother before him uh, named Germanicus. And the crowd was so bloodthirsty, they said, kill Polycarp, called him an atheist because he didn't pay allegiance to the emperor. And uh, they pulled him into the Colosseum. He's 86 years old. And they got him in there. And uh, they kept telling him, if you'll just pay allegiance to Nero, if you'll just call him Lord. And the old man, 86 years old, Polycarp says, for 86 years... I've served him and he's never done me wrong. How could you expect me to deny him now? My Lord and my Savior. And and because of his age and his notoriety, the proconsul said said again, maybe you don't understand, Polycarp, all you've got to do is tell me right here that he's not Lord. Just pay allegiance to the emperor. He said, All you atheists are the ones I'm concerned for. You're the atheist. I have a Lord. And I cannot give him up. So they came and bound him. And uh, when they wanted to, uh, they took him. They were going to nail him uh, to the pyre. And nail his hands down so he wouldn't get away. And, And the old man, just look at him, 86. The old man just said, wait, wait, wait. You don't need to nail my hands. He said, I could stay in the flames without nails. I'm submitting to this. Let let me go into the flames without nails. So they did. They put him in there. And then all of a sudden he's singing. He's praising God. And uh, uh, he wasn't wasn't roasting quick enough. And so the proconsul told the soldier, go stab him. And they went. And the flames were going and stabbed him. And the way the wound came out, his blood put out the flame. The witnesses who were Christians said it seemed like a cloud enveloped Polycarp. He said it seemed like it it appeared. This is in Eusebius church history. He said it just seemed like a, a room was created where he's in this room by himself. He was kind of like the three Hebrew children. The fourth man was with him at the stake because he said, I'll be with you to the end of the age. I don't forsake my own. Guess what, Peter? You cut off a man's ear. You denied me three times. I want to change you to be a willing martyr. Polycarp, 
And for 300 years, Rome could not put out the church. And the empire that was to last forever became a has-been. And 2,100 years later, the church is alive and well. And once again, we've come to the end of our time together here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As we lock things up for another day of broadcasting, we do so with a a way to contact us here at Truth For Today. If you have a question, a prayer request, comment, we would love to pray for you. If you have a praise report about how the program is encouraging you in Christ, we'd love to hear that as well. A couple of ways to reach out to us. The easiest, of course, our phone number, 855-833-9864, or our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, you have another way to reach out to us, and that is, especially if you have a question or a praise report, that you would like Pastor Phil to answer. Well, simply take your voice memo app on that smartphone of yours, record your question along with who you are and where you're calling from, and then email that bit of audio to us at tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, the email address is tftquestions at valleybible.org. So email that to us. We'll run it by Pastor Phil, and should we use it on the radio, we'll even let you know when. And as always, you can again reach out to us at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. You can also write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you partner with us financially, bear in mind that we are able to continue this radio ministry through you doing just that, joining other friends and family members of this ministry to ensure that this program continues its ministry in the greater Bay Area. Please consider that as you reach out to us, and then join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name.